You're listening to The Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is um, Sue Nelson and for the next 30 minutes or so we're going to be talking about all things food and drink. I'm joined by my guest here, Catherine Conway of Unpackage. I'm so sorry, Catherine, because Ollie's been dancing to the theme music. It's been playing in the background. It's like dad dancing. I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> um, hello. Hi. Hi. Lloyd. I, I, I enjoyed Chief that. Executive. I think Great dad dancing is like actually a highly liberating But you're moment. dad dancing now and you've only got children that are like two or something. We and do a lot of dancing. Dad we have, dancing all no, day. We, we do dad dancing in our kitchen. Can you imagine what you're like when you're 60? Oh God, it's going to go crazy. <laughs> um, that's I'm the also, point of growing old, isn't it? What, being a nuisance to your children? Well, that's one of the opportunities that's out there. You know, mm. I mean, it's like payback. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I'm also joined by my fellow presenter, Holly Shackleton of Speciality Food Magazine, who was discreetly jiggling as opposed to dancing yeah, to discreet. the theme music. Whereas Ollie actually had moments where he was eyes closed dancing so he's really in the moment which was yeah a sight special Spe- it was a special moment special needs more like um so am i not allowed to say that okay sorry about that um uh yeah, i don't even know where to start now so um yes we've got so we're going to talk about packaging I, 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 i'm going to give you a moment packaged um and um one of the things i want to talk about before we go on to Catherine um is uh i've got quite a lot of beautiful um, recipe books, food books, all sorts of different sorts of books uh, for Christmas and New Year. And because I've got so many, I've only just really started getting into them and reading them and all that sort of stuff. So I wondered if we might just talk about your favourite cookbook so far of 2019. Ollie, so, well, on, on Great British Chefs, we do run a cookbook club where we try a different cookbook every month and the community cook from it. So at the moment, we're, um, we're doing ceviche. Um, and we're actually no, we're not. We're now into Asma Khan, who was on the show the other day. Yes. So her her cookbook, which I have to say is amazing, and we I cooked from it last night. And um, I think there's some great stuff in that. So I mean, I have that's Darjeeling Express, isn't exactly. It? I mean, I have over probably two hundred something cookbooks. It's kind of a, it's sort of a. Problem, it is sort of actually. your job. It is sort of my job, sort and, of. but but it sort of takes over my house. Um, but I, I, I like chopping and changing. It's also fun to return to favourites. So for me, there's a there's a whole lot of Lengi shelf. There's a whole lot of stuff around people like Sky King Gale. There's obviously the Great British Chef's Cookbook, which has a lot of the recipes that for me are... Plug. No, plug, plug, but also like, you know, we've got 4,000 recipes, so they are some of our real favourites. So there's yeah. a kind of condensed version. Um, but then it's about discovering new books. And, I, you know, that's part of the fun. So, yeah, mm. there are too many. Holly, your, your favourite books for 2019... Oh, goodness. To be honest, I'm not a massive purchaser of brand new cookbooks. Um, we all, we're always getting them into the office. So I'm always picking the most beautiful, and the most kind of inspirational in that sense. I tend to make up recipes. Um, so, I yeah, from a practical sense, I don't really use them that much. Can I just say there's also a lot of rubbish? I mean, we... Mm. I mean, I don't know if you see the, extraordinary rubbish. The, the amount that... One, one, one that came in the other day, it was called What Vegans Eat... And I'm inspiring. like, you know, it was also like, <laughs> who, is, says on the who, who is this addressing? Is it like trying to explain to people who aren't vegans what vegans eat? Is it trying to tell people who want to be a vegan? What, I mean, apparently it's an inspirational influencer. Anyway, I didn't understand it. Um, but we get lots of really, really bad cookbooks mm. in the mm. office. And lots, so many are badly done. Lots of kind of Instagrammers turning into cookbook writers. Well, not lots, but, but a handful there of them. Lot, and it's just, yeah. I can't. Mm. Can't be getting on with it. But I, I've just finished reading um, Nigel Slater's Christmas, Winter, what's it called? 
um, which is so beautiful. He, but he writes beautiful. I have to. Oh. I do think Kitchen Diaries is one of the greatest cookbooks because actually that ability. He's a great writer first. Mm. And but you pick up the book and you turn to you know to a month and you go, well, what was Nigel eating at that point? Yeah. And it's kind of lovely. <laughs> well, exactly. That's what this kind of diet. I can't remember what it's called. Winter something, but it's just right on the second of January or whenever it is, Nigel was doing this and this is his tradition for that day and this is what he eats on that day and it's, it's gorgeous. You, you can live the Nigel dream. I can. Yeah. Catherine, your, your favourite cookbooks for 2019? So we're a big fan of Spanish food in our house mm. and so we've just got Sabor, which is um, Nieves, and I can't remember her surname, uh, the ex-chef at Barafina, um, who's She's now got great. her own restaurant, which is the, my favourite restaurant in London at the minute. Is it? Oh, I, remember, I remember going to Brindisa, uh, not Brindisa, um, uh, Barafina, uh, the one in Soho before they've now made it big and I don't like it anymore. There just used to be the 16 seats and Mm-hmm. Had to get there at five o'clock to get in there, and once Nevs was behind the thing cooking, oh god, I was so thrilled! I was in awe. I know. I She's just amazing. to be honest, we did see we do Secret Santa at home, and my mum got my boyfriend, so she said, "What shall I buy?" And I said, "This cookbook." And then I happened to be in there, and she was in there, and I managed to get him a signed copy of the book, and it's then sorry. had to tell my mum to give mm. hers back, which is a bit embarrassing. Well, I rather belatedly um, got Persiana. Oh, nice. Oh, it's a great it's book. gorgeous. Oh, so many good, there's so many good things in yeah. there. You you sort of just want to do all of them. Well, that's and healthy and lovely. Yeah. Really nice stuff. Well, that's one of the ones talking about kind of new discoveries and mm. going back to old favourites. That is absolutely mm. an old favourite of mine. Yeah, and, and uh, for anybody who doesn't know, sort of Persiana is, is recipes from the sort of Middle East, isn't it? And and, and, and that sort of thing. Mm. A bit like Ottolenghi in a way, in some of the yep. stuff, and the, and the ingredients in particular. Yeah, and they're very cookable. I mean, it's not mm. yeah. it's Oh, not God, hardcore. yeah, very uh, lovely. Um, and then uh, another one that I, that I um, bought myself, because nobody oh, bought it for me. I see. Oh, no. I to talk to the family. Oh, no. Um, was Black Sea. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. It's got an awful, well, in my personal opinion, dreadful cover. You'd never buy it because the cover is awful. Um, but it's called Dispatches and Recipes. And it goes around all of the countries in the Black mm. Sea and all of the towns and, and cities. Um, and then comes up with all the stories about historically why the particular ingredients are from there and the history of those types of cuisines and stuff and then of course there's some recipes as well but a bit like you're saying it's it's just beautifully written Mm. it's a really interesting book Mm. which happens to have recipes in it um and and i i quite like that sort of format you know where you're you're learning things yeah and actually if you want to cook it you can but you you know you don't have to well that's the thing it Um, can be a pleasure to read recipes you know even if there's just a paragraph of really nicely written introduction to the recipe that can be a treat as well it doesn't just have to be functional yeah um another one that i got was um called max's sandwich book which is completely bonkers. Have you ever heard of it? I haven't. No. Sounds Sandwiches? Like yeah. So they've got a sandwich shop somewhere Cheese in London. And ham. Oh, it's, it's brilliant. It just shows you how to do the most amazing fish finger sandwich, for example. Mm-hmm. Do you need uh, a recipe for that? Yeah. Really? Oh, God. And the, the book is bread. hilarious. It's so. Cheese bread. That's it's, the key. It's, it's so, so funny. And, uh, is it ironic? Yeah, a bit. Okay. okay. But they're that. very, very successful. So when you go into their shop um, and you order a sandwich, it's all wrapped up like a little parcel. And Where a surprise. are they? You have to unwrap it. Oh, I've forgotten. Okay. But it's called Ma- Maxi Sandwich Book. And then it, they're, they're on, there's a page where it says uh, tuna melt sandwich. And then it's got something like, oh, we don't like tuna melt. So there's a whole page and it's blank, <laughs> which I think is really funny. <laughs> it's so, um, I don't know, it's so, what's the word? It just, I don't know, it's just sort of um, 
anti-establishment and a bit rebellious. And there's something about it that I really like. Just a book with sandwiches in. <laughs> that is that is pretty rebellious. You, you need to feature that on your... I'd love to see what your you know, your, there's, your there's Great a, British Chef's community so think great, of something like that. There's a book coming out from um, Jack Monroe, um, who's an amazing, amazing. amazing writer and um, campaigner. And she... Her new book is all about cooking with tins. Cooking with tins? Yeah, so using tins. Oh, Jimmy, open them first. So, well, I, you know, I haven't seen the book yet. I think it's coming out in a couple of months. It may well be just cooking with tins. I, we'll, we'll find out. They may be heating them up in the oven and then putting hmm. bits Wow. Up. So we'll buy that one for you, Sue. Yeah. And then my real favourite one, which I haven't, I've only just started reading, which I really like, is is called A Long and Messy Business. And I really do think that's one of your great British chefs community books. Hmm. So you need to check that and out. And who's it by? Um, forgotten. There you go. And what's it about? Um, basically, it's it's this this guy who's a chef and explaining, you know, basically what it's been like to be a chef. But then he's got um, the narrative to the recipes is fabulous. Mm. Again, funny and a, a, a bit Nigel Slaterish actually, mm. but but much more chefy and uh, you know, uh, but beautiful beautiful recipes in there as well. So a long and messy business, got a, a great cover, beautiful cover. So those are my top tips. Do you know, if for those people who are massive um, cookbook owners, there is an amazing site called Eat Your Books. Eat which, Your Books. Eat Your Books. We pay a subscription, and what it allows you to do is basically tell the system what you have in your library, and then you can search your own library. So essentially, it knows the index oh. of every book. Oh, you're doing so you could find oh. a recipe. So you can say, okay, I want to cook. You know, I don't know kohlrabi this evening and these are the cookbooks I have on my shelf they know because you've, you've entered into the system what you've got you type in kohlrabi <gasps> and up pops the recipe that's amazing and that's, that's really cool. there's clever. some cool women uh, based in Boston I think um, so eat your books it's, it's really interesting it's a really interesting site that's amazing I'm so and you pay a subscription yeah I'm so guilty of um, wanting to make a recipe and I don't know what recipe the book that I own like what book I own could contain that mm. recipe so I go on to BBC Good Food you and know, just search for it, and there we British go. Chefs. From I, if I'm going for something extra Holly, fancy Holly, and skilled, Holly, you going to great British chefs? We and that, obviously, yeah. that's my first choice. When it comes to ham and cheese sandwiches, yes, we love BBC. I go to BBC. We love BBC Good Food. <laughs> yeah. So, along a messy business, by the way, is um, uh, Rowley. Rolly Lee. Yeah, Rowley oh, Lee. he's oh, lovely. And so he's and the he's Financial great... Times. He's the Financial Times guy. You know, he used to write in there. Yeah. And he's taken all the best things written. in there and for forty years of writing really yeah. and put it in this this fabulous book. Oh, that's a great recommendation. Yeah, along and along a mess with and oh, and also what's great with him is he really talks about the wine you should use to match the food, which is really helpful. And the arak and the. No, he doesn't yeah. say that bit. Um, I can see how that would work with you, Sue. Yeah, he's got about one hundred and twenty recipes. Really, Lee. So it's, it's a great. He's a really, book. he's a really great chef. Yeah. So I think you should have that. There we go. Well, that was one of your books of the yeah. month. I like that. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's he's just a character got, as well. Yeah, and it's it's really funny and just really great fun, and it's mm. very seasonal as well, which I like. So you know, it goes through the different sort of seasons and what's available. Did you talk about cookbook writers? You know, did, did you see that in the New Year's Honours list, which is months and months ago? Yes. Do you see that um, Thomasina Myers got an OBE? Mm. I didn't know that. Which was great. I thought, yeah. yeah. Good for her. Wow. Hmm. Mexican food is her thing, Mexican isn't it? food is her thing, and, and you know, has suddenly transformed Britain yes. and you know our relationship with Mexican food. Um, I'd also like to give a little call out for um, the Guild of Food Writers. Is it something you're involved in? You're, you're you write, Holly? Your speciality I magazine, do. speciality food. Um, I we don't we don't work with them in any way. You should I be would saying. I would be honoured to be a part of mm. the Guild of Food Writers. So as soon yes. as we're finished, I'll look into it. So yes, I'm sort of sponsoring one of their. Um, 
um, you know, categories. And um, I really like food writing and I think it's underestimated. So um, as opposed to just writing recipes. So I'm very pleased to be backing that. And I think it's announced in June. Well, do make sure you pick the Great British Chef's Cookbook, which clearly should be winning. I'm not on the judging oh, okay. panel. <laughs> and anyway, that would not that would be immoral. I know. So, um, I on radio, from, so I um, from cookbooks, uh, let's go to Catherine Conway of Unpackage. Now, um, Catherine, um, tell us exactly what you do, because it's slightly unusual for one of our guests, actually. Because we don't do food. Well, no, no, no. We do lots. Of, we have lots of people here who do all sorts of stuff around the food sector. They're not, they're not just we food had someone producers. specialising in creating a wand to kill weeds. Oh so don't worry. Yeah, you're, you're in the normal box. Yeah. So Unpackaged started life as a shop, and the whole concept of the shop was to allow customers to shop without packaging by enabling them to bring their own. So taking an old-fashioned scoop and way, you know, buying things loose idea, but marrying that up to, I guess, the problems of climate change and packaging and the plastics crisis. So this, so I started 12 years ago, back before anyone really knew what I was talking about. Um, so you were completely mad. Basically, yes. Um, and then everything changed last year with Blue Planet. So it's been, a, it's been a long slog to get here, but now people have finally got the problem. Um, so now we've sort of morphed. Uh, we don't own our own shops anymore. We have concessions within other people's stores. So we've got four concessions in Planet Organic. I do consultancy with supermarkets. And then we have a sort of a ready-to-go unit for the independent trade because my heart is in the independent trade. Um, whilst I want to work with supermarkets to get scale and impact from having said I would never work with them because I was all about the independent <laughs> trade. You know, there's only so many battles we can fight. Yeah. So um, so we have, I guess, one solution that is for big scaled up supermarkets and then one solution that supports the independent trade. Um, so we have these units that are currently in farm shops and uh, smaller sort of health food and delis. And, and Holly, that's where the independents have got a real edge over the supermarkets, mm. isn't it? Because if they do decide to do that, they might then they might bring somebody like Catherine in to help them set it up or, or whatever. Yeah. But but they can move quite quickly. Mm. Whereas I I can't for the life of me see how the supermarkets are going to respond to this. It's going to be really tough for them. Yeah, the big I, supermarkets. Yeah, and I think um, as with anything, just independents and more small scale businesses are always more able to take on new um, new challenges faster. Um, and they're really into that kind of thing at the moment. The consumers um, have long, for a long time, if they wanted to buy apples, fruit and veg, whatever it is, um, without all the excess packaging, they go to a to, to a farm shop. Um, that's kind of the consumer base that they already have. Um, so in terms of being able to um, kind of weigh out your own dry ingredients, that that's going down really well. I know that Keelan Farm Shop... Um, yeah. They've got a big box, actually. Yeah, they've got... They're doing that in I quite a big Victoria. way. I love I'm in love with Victoria. She's, she's a brilliant she's woman. She's the most incredible, mm. you know, sort of woman, sort of championing farm shops, and but the local community and education for the school. She gets school kids in there and all sorts of stuff. They're doing amazing things up there. I Unfortunately, love farm shops. I love working with farm shops. I love everything about It's a bit far away them. for me, but, but I think she's doing an incredible job. Um but they've got a lot of that. Yeah. Ollie, how would you handle that as a supermarket? So, so you know, I, I wander in to Sainsbury's, say, I've got a couple of containers, maybe a carrier bag, and I want to go along and fill my own stuff. But they're going to really struggle with it, aren't they? Logistically. And maybe health and safety a bit too, I don't know. But uh, look, I think that... You know, the reality is is that the the world of, of retail is changing so rapidly, they have to embrace these things. And, you know, where there is a will, there is a way. And I think, you know, I think, it, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. If you want to create a real impact, 
you know, actually, if you could, you know, pick certain categories in certain areas where there's major um, wastage, actually, there's a real possibility. And particularly if you pick categories where, you know, there's a lot of plastic used and it's unnecessary, actually, it could play the, to really to the retailer's advantage because they could probably keep prices quite high, relatively speaking, you know, in order to sort of subsidize all the work they'd have to do. But, you know, and it it's plays strongly into an own brand offering which actually, again, is higher margin. So if they get it right, you know, in terms of own brand, it's actually quite threatening, I think, to a mm. lot of the, you know, brands operating in big commodity sectors because you could really drive um, own brand consumption, which is much more profitable for them. So, so Catherine, what, what is particularly suited to, to this type of thing? Now, there must be certain things that are more suited to this than others. So I can imagine, you know, nuts and seeds and, so and, and that sort of yeah. stuff, as well as perhaps vegetables, but... but Historically, it's always been obviously produce um, and then ambient goods, so grains, pulses, whole foods, cereals. However, if we were to stick in that, I mean, there has been a bit of a resurgence of people wanting to cook with ingredients, and I guess the health and the wellness trends has helped those kind of products sell well. But I don't think that's how the majority of people shop anymore. You know, if you think of people buying pots of hummus versus buying dry chickpeas that they're going to go home, they're going to soak overnight, they're then going to cook them for 40 minutes and then they're going to make their hummus. You know, the world doesn't shop like that. So hummus is my nemesis. And when I've <laughs> solved you being able to walk into a supermarket and take away a pot of hummus in a piece of reusable packaging that you're then incentivized to bring back or put back in the mm. system somehow, then my work will be done. And, um, and, and are just these... inspire people to make their own... Their own Because, I mean, is, but what's so silly about something? You cater to both. I know, but some of these are so simple to do. I mean, mm. to be fair, though, you know, I know how to make hummus, but I don't make it as often as I should. It's my commitment to 2019. Hummus and toothpaste and yogurt. Those are the three things that I'm going to make all year and right. not buy. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, so what we're trying to do... so. Hang on, you're making your own toothpaste? You can make your own toothpaste with bicarb and various flavourings and things. There's a whole world of zero-waste people online that will tell you how to make anything you want to make. So <laughs> um, yeah. Um, okay. Just on what you're saying about prices, actually, it should be cheaper. When you get bulk right, actually, it's cheaper for the manufacturer or the producer because they don't have to put it, and this is especially within the independent trade, you know, they're not having to put it into sort of small batch fancy bottles. The retailer should be able to get it in at a better price and pass that price on to the consumer and then the consumer should be able to save money. Obviously with the mechanics of how supermarkets work at the minute, it doesn't always work like that, but that is the aim. And then you should, the problem is, is that the the cost of waste management is effectively passed on to the consumer, which is effectively passed on to the local authority. So actually the supermarket never sees any benefit for selling things in bulk because they don't have to deal with the problem of packaging. Yeah. Um, but we're all paying for it, you know, whether it's through council tax, whether it's through all of the negative externalities in our waterways, our natural environment, the plastic crisis, you know. Um, but but is it a gimmick in, in the in independent stores? As in, you know, it looks good and it's, you know, it looks like you should be doing that. But actually are the sales, you know, so coming got, through from got, it? Yeah, we've got a uh, different approaches in different stores some stores keep their pre-packs and then just do a price differential so it's cheaper to buy in bulk and then yeah. other stores delist so we worked with um a small organic chain in uh, bristol and they delisted their pre-packs and their wow um, bulk is now outselling the pre-packs on their previous sales uh, on bigger mm. margins so yeah mm. so it really works um but i think that sort of that moment of sort of you know you're at a shelf and you see here is something that is with loads of packaging, here's like with no packaging, and it's cheaper. That helps. Yeah. I mean, you, and, I, yeah. and I think you need mm -hmm. to sort of, almost you need to train consumers to accept, to, to learn that, 
And then you can almost, to go the first leap straight out, get rid of all packaging, I think you'd struggle, I would imagine, but actually show them that differential and then deliver on it. I can, you know, that's got to be a journey. But, but Holly, you know, for an independent shop to make that step, you've got to be brave, haven't you? Because you've got to get all that system in and then you've got to be sure that the, you know, the income that you were getting is going to be replaced very, very quickly mm. with a new way of, of, of sort of selling stuff. Yeah, um, but what I would say is that if you're working with a kind of third party like Unpackaged, um, Borough Wines also have kind of um, a setup whereby you can, you know, pour your own wine into your own container. So I think if you if there is that third party there, the kind of support and they've seen other people make successes That's of it elsewhere, mm. um, then maybe it's not such a jump. Yeah. The Borough Wines example I think is really interesting actually because you sort of, you know, wine is so confusing and if you are able to deliver a real quality product, which Borough Wines do, people are really cool. That becomes their house wine. And they have it. In, I mean, I, I know lots of friends who who, who sort of go there and, and, and buy there because it, it's actually really cool. So what do you do? Turn up with like an old washing up liquid bottle that's well, been you, washed you, out? You, you turn up with an enormous, enormous bucket. So, um, you know, <laughs> well, that would it's, do it's, me. It's a seven litre bucket. <laughs> yeah, don't and, and, you know, and a don't small drive too fast cart. on the way home yeah, around exactly, corners. Exactly, it exactly. slops about <laughs> exactly, in the back. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, you, you turn up with one of those kind of classic, um, what would you call the top lid? Kilner you know? bottle. Kilner yeah. bottle, yeah. Yeah. Or, um, growlers as well. They're becoming more popular now at the moment. For beer. Um, for beer, yeah. So um, lots of independent beer shops that I, that I know, um, they're kind of promoting that mm. idea as well. So I know um, I know Macnades quite well. They've yes. been on the programme. It's a, it's a fantastic store. It's your local. Just outside Faversham um, in Kent. And it's a really nice family business. Um, they, they've got quite a loyal following of people who go there. They've got incredible fruit and vegetables. It's in the middle of nowhere, by yep. the way. Um, now, say that they... that They, they have our unit. They, they come the to you. Shop. They come to yeah. you and say, right, we're, we're thinking of... of, of allowing people to do this so how did it work with them do you say right well i'm I, you know you're an expert can you come in and tell us how to do this yes yeah, so we basically have a package and the whole idea is really to give them that service and support them before during and after so we i think the mistake that people make with bulk is they think that all bulk sections are the same um but actually we work with them they provide us with all their sales data so we know what products sell well in their store and okay. we design a product list based on what's already selling so it fits in so it's coherent with what they're already selling. And that minimises the risk in, in many... Which minimises yeah. the risk. Um, and then we do all of the install with them, we train their staff, we help them with a the marketing schedule so it's all about us helping them make a success of it because mm. it is an investment. You know, the dispensers cost money, there's no getting around that. Um, so it is an investment and if you get it wrong, you know, it's just low-value dry goods. You know, you're never going to make your money back just selling pulses but you can sell loads of really nice snacking items. So obviously all of the trend for people buying those graze boxes and things you know everybody wants this sort of healthy snacking uh idea um and then all of the things where people are you know making their own mueslis and making their own yeah. uh, nut milks and all of this kind of stuff so you can sort of you can fit into all your different customer bases by what they want and okay because in macnades when they started well they started but a couple of years ago they they had all this stuff where people come in and make their own muesli but they were pre-packaged so there was nuts and there were seeds and there was all sorts of other things oats and 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 so presumably they were starting to go up that that yeah. They've always been really committed, anyway. yeah. And therefore that leap for them wasn't, because their the, the clients were obviously going in and doing that anyway. What you're allowing them to do is, and it, let's face it, it's, it's got to be better than a massive bag of, let's say, sunflower seeds, which in your proportion of your muesli, you only want a little bit, and then you've got a massive bag of oats, you know, whatever. That allows people to get the proportions that they want. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one of the benefits is, is you can just buy the quantity 
of food that you need. Um, mm. And we throw away a third of the food that we buy in this country, which is criminal. Yeah. Um, so people can actually shop less, shop where they want. Sure. You can try things. You know, if you want a recipe, you can try. Um, and, and there is a real issue that if you if you live on your own, and there are a lot of single households in the UK, you cannot get the you know the sizes that you want of yeah. things. And ours is the same price whether you buy a small amount. So you're not yeah. incentivized to buy more and then waste it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so at the minute, our units are just selling dry goods, but obviously there's lots of opportunities with everything from detergents to um, toiletries products. Um, so the, everybody is working on it. So the big brands are working on it. The supermarkets are working on it. The independents are working on it. So it's all happening at the same time. I guess the bigger companies just take a lot longer to shift, but sure. everybody understands that packaging is a problem. And they've all made these commitments saying, by 2025, all of our packaging will be reusable, recyclable, or compostable. I'm not sure a lot of the big brands know what reusable means within that context. Yeah. Um, and, you know, reuse is at the, the top of the waste hierarchy. So that's what we should be aiming at. You know, recycling is a failure of design, you know, and waste is an even worse failure of design. Yeah. Um, so, Well, I, I can definitely see this being a bit, a bit of a sort of competitive edge for the independent retail mm. sector. Um, Ollie, from your experience, you know, with Unilever and stuff, how would they respond? How would that supply chain respond and then supply the supermarkets because it, because it will happen, won't it? But if you think, think you know, if you think about you know a brand like Persil, you know, for Persil to deliver, you know, a sort of X hundred liter box of Persil that you could go in, fill up your you know your previous box, and then kind of you know do that is actually is really kind of you know is actually not that complicated. I, mean, I think well, that's, that's what Anita Roddick did though. That was the whole point of the yeah. body shop, which which then was unheard of. And that's decades totally. ago. Um, I think they've moved away from that now, funny enough. But, but, but I think but, but I that think was her her vision, wasn't it? But I think your point though is that they're not actually they're not getting hit by the economic impact of of waste and recycling. Mm. And actually, you know, if if you know if a brand like Persil decided to only sell you know, to say, look, you know, you get your container. I mean, like, how long do those containers last? Forever. You turn up, you fill up your personal liquid and, you know, off you go. I think what's interesting is that what one has to acknowledge is that shopping is so complicated in the sense that you occasionally pop in and grab something. You, you know, into your local store. Occasionally you order online. Like, how do people like a cardo... Can I give Mercado back my personal and then it comes back? Like all of that stuff is really complicated. But mm. but actually, if they kind of identify, actually, Mercado could do some quite interesting stuff. And if you, I mean, look, these these are great logistical challenges. But you know, actually, these organisations. I mean, are I hadn't really logistic. thought of that. I mean, there's more. Is there more of an opportunity for that if you're, home you're delivery. doing home a... delivery? Because actually, that that makes far more sense. I'm going to arrive with my. It is if you can set up a whole system to do it. So. Yeah. When it's in a bricks and mortar shop, then you're relying on the customer to bring their own mm. container so the shop doesn't have to take any liability for it. But glass milk bottles is a system we have had forever. Um, and it's going to come it, back for sure. It's, isn't it's it? taken a massive um, a leap. So they had something like a 200 and something percent increase in inquiries last year because of Blue Planet. Mm. So it was a failing business. And then um, all of a sudden, all of I, a sudden. Yeah, there's this, I, occasionally, if I'm, I hear the electric. Um, Milk cart come up my street every day. You know, every day it's quite sort of a moment. It's sort of about yeah. five in the morning. You didn't used to be able to buy milk, you know, in a in a store. It's very very rare um, because because you got your milk delivered. Whereas mm. now it's quite rare to have your milk delivered. But I'm sure that's going to change mm. easily again. Well, I was um, I was kind of sourcing my milk in glass milk bottles a few years ago. So you know, I was a pioneer, really. 
We, had we've very never, we've it had never happened before then. That. Well, this was also this was when I was probably twenty five or something. I don't think it's very common for twenty five year olds. No, maybe. But it's just so easy. It's just, yeah. It's when it comes to your draw, you yeah. don't. You know, it just makes sense. It has happened before, Holly. Like a few What's decades ago, before? your milk being delivered. No, I know. I'm not saying I'm a pioneer of the milk bottle <laughs> no, I'm movement. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what but it's going to happen again, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But I think um, in terms of um, kind of self-service in a retail environment, um, I think so long as you make a good experience out of it, then people, you know, people could enjoy it. Um, I remember, I think it was 10 years ago or something, I was going to Whole Foods um, and they offered that service and I enjoyed it and I, I enjoyed kind of taking more active more fun. role and mm. I genuinely find it fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very easily pleased. Well, it's the sort of thing kids would love. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Well, you yeah. do with Pick and Mix. Pick and Mix the cinema. They yeah, love. Everyone has the memory of Pick and Mix somewhere. So yeah. when they're doing it, especially when they're doing it virtuous, mm. healthy nuts. Um, but also, I mean, within retail, the retailers are terrified with the threat of online and the threat of Amazon. So anything they can do to increase retail theatre and increase the Experience. reason for people to come into store yeah. is very high on agendas at the minute. But it's also, I think there are also companies, you know, Farm Drop is one and, yeah. you know, Abel and Cole is another. I mean, when I see the amount of packaging that comes in the veg that comes, you know, when I buy from Mercado, it's extraordinary. And then it arrives in Abel and Cole and it's just like, here's a box of vegetables in it. Like, you know, why is there any packaging? It's like one cardboard box that you recycle. Oh, you send back, you know. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's got to be fixed. It has got to be fixed. But, but you've said, but I mean, you know, it's one of those things where what, what's great about this is there's a problem. We've all kind of acknowledged it and lots of smart people are working to solve it. Now, it's not going to change in 2019. But, but it will do. But it's going to move forward and, and, and we're going to make, you know. It is a bit like being an alcoholic. You've got to admit it in the first place. And I think what's happening now is people are admitting it and then I know there's going to be some great solutions because everybody's admitted that it's mm. a problem. Whereas before, it sort of got brushed under the carpet a bit. So if you want to know anything ab about, um, particularly if you're in the independent retail sector and you really want to understand about how you might do these sort of refill systems, you need to go on beunpackaged.com. Have I got that right, Catherine? Yes, you have. Um, and you'll find a wealth of information on there. Um, and I do think it's an opportunity... Um, in the sector. Mm. Maybe it's something you should write about, Holly, in Speciality Food magazine, just, well, just suggesting. She's going to tell you. She well, knows. actually, we are. Ah, in, the, in the issue see? we're working on at the moment, so, yeah. That'll be out in March, will it? Uh, it's March. the, yes, the March, March issue, yeah. March issue. So, again, have a look at Speciality Food magazine. I um, should tell you a few things about that. Um, and uh, just thank you so much, Catherine. It's um, definitely for having me. something that's going to uh, come and hit us, I think. I'll more come back in five and years and tell you when I've solved the hummus problem. Yes. <laughs> and the yoghurt. Yeah. And the toothpaste problem. Thank you so much. So, um, uh, Catherine Conway of Unpackaged, and um, you've been listening to the Food Talk Show. And as you know, we're on lots of different radio stations across the UK and further afield. And you can also listen to our weekly podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Spotify and the podcast app on your phone, as well as the wonderful Great British Chefs website. Thank you to my fellow presenters, Ollie Lloyd of Great British Chefs. Get the, um, get the Great British Chefs cookbook on for the, uh, for the you know, Guild of Food Writers we will. Awards. We will. This is beautiful, that book. It's gorgeous. Isn't well, it? Look to look at. I'm going to ask you which recipes you've cooked next week. I haven't cooked any of them. So I'll send you the list of, okay. of the ones. Tell me the ones that people enjoy the most. And and again, thank you to Holly Shackleton of Speciality Food Magazine. We look forward to the March issue. 
Oh yeah, lots lots to learn. Mm. And, and if you want to recommend any future guests, someone doing something groundbreaking in the food sector, just like Catherine, get in touch with us via Twitter on at Food Talk Show. And if you want to listen to any of our hundreds of past podcasts, go to foodtalk.co.uk. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.